Welcome to the Better Births, Better Babies podcast, where we help you reclaim the confidence and assurance that you need to thrive in motherhood. On this podcast, we're having authentic conversations among sisters and friends about raising our babies, because we believe life is fuller and more rich when you live and learn in community. So grab your earbuds and some coffee and listen while you tackle your to-do list. Let's get started. One Angela here with Hannah. Hi. And Sarah. Hello. Um, and today in this episode, we are going to be talking about circumcision. So, really quick disclaimer on circumcision. This is this episode is really for those of you who are considering circumcision. Maybe you're on the fence about it. Um, maybe you know it's a thing that parents do for their baby boys, but you really don't know much about it or why it's done. And we're also going to talk a little bit to, you know, the person, the mom who might say like, I'm not doing circumcision. And we'll kind of talk about like what the research shows about why people say they don't circumcise. So there could be a variety of reasons why you don't do it, but we're just going to talk about like what our research has shown for why people say they don't. So first, Hannah, can you define circumcision for us? Yes. Um, So circumcision is the removal of the foreskin from the penis. So baby boys are born with just a thin layer of skin over the head of their penis. Um, And when you get them circumcised, it's the removal of that. Sometimes it can just be a little bit of the skin. Sometimes it can be all of the skin, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then Sarah, I know that you mentioned earlier while we were preparing for this episode that there are different types of circumcision. There's a surgical circumcision, and then there's an option that can be done with a plasti bell. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. So most commonly performed in the United States is a surgical form, and it is done like typically while you're at the hospital um, by a surgeon, neonatologist, or an OBGYN. Um, The plasti bell can still be done in the hospital, but a lot of times it's more so done um, in a doctor's office and it's not a procedure. Like it sounds really bad, but essentially it's the way it removes the skin is by cutting off circulation. So um, it's a plastic piece that actually sits on the end of the baby's penis and they come home and that, that whole thing will fall off in their diaper after about three to five days. Okay. Yeah. So basically the surgical option is in the hospital or Mm -hmm. in the doctor's office. Um, Mostly in the hospital, but yeah, mostly in the hospital. Yeah. They will actually like, cut the foreskin off and maybe you have to have stitches or no not Not usually usually. unless there's probably like a lot of bleeding but but i mean i've never witnessed that happening so most of the time it's the bleeding is very minimal because there's not a lot of nerve endings and blood flow to that part of the body because they're a baby so um that's the benefit of doing it as an infant um and the yeah it's really not extremely traumatizing to them but yeah. very red and inflamed. So yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. cool. So I feel like that gives us a little bit of, you know, definition about what circumcision is, how it's performed, that kind of thing. So before we kind of move on from like definition of terms, I guess, let's chat a little bit about the vitamin K shot and circumcision. So Sarah, do you want to kind of cover that? Talk about the yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, I, so I used to give 
babies all of their medications right after birth, and I would typically be there for plenty of circumcisions. And so I just think that it's really important to explain this piece because I had a lot of parents who were anti-shot, anti-medication, um, with little knowledge as to why, besides I'm nervous or I don't know what they are, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, and so I think this piece is important to give you guys a little physiology about. So vitamin K is a clotting factor. It's a vitamin that helps our blood clot and prevents us from bleeding. Babies have very little of it when they're born. Babies who are exclusively breastfed are able to produce that on their own at high levels at around day seven or day eight. So in America, we give, I mean, really all over the world, they give vitamin K as drops or a shot in the thigh. If it's a shot, it has to be in the first 24 hours usually after birth for it to be effective. And if babies do not receive that vitamin K shot, they're pretty incompatible with a surgical procedure. Right. Because um, so, they don't have the clotting factors Right. And yet. so even any type of surgery, not just circumcision, but like any type of urgent surgery, your kid would be at a higher risk of bleeding if they didn't receive that vitamin K shot. So that's just something to know. Not to say, I'm not saying that there are no downsides to it. I'm not saying that there are no chemicals in it. I'm, I'm just saying that... It, there's a risk versus benefit assessment that you have yeah. to do as yeah. mom here. So There's a lot of doctors, too, that would... I mean, it's going to be harder to find someone to do the procedure if you don't get the vitamin K shot. Yeah. And it, yeah. I mean, it's possible, but you have to do your research ahead of time. And, yes. and I think a quick clarification for anyone listening who doesn't have, you know, the plethora of medical knowledge that you guys do and that I've come to have through my own research and, you know, doing this podcast with you... The vitamin K shot is not a vaccine. No, no. it is absolutely. It is a shot. Of vitamins. So, yeah. Like, it is like getting a shot or li- like taking liquid vitamin D. It's vitamin K. Um, it's like vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Um, except for it just plays a vital role in yeah. clotting. And I think, too, it, you know, if you don't end up getting it, plan on, if you're asking for a circumcision still, plan on a doctor saying, I'm the baby must be exclusively breastfed and you have to wait until day seven or day eight, which there are very, 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 very few doctors that would probably allow that. Just putting a warning out there for that. Um, You'd have to fight pretty hard and provide a lot of research for someone to probably feel comfortable with that on your own. And the other piece is if you're going to choose to not do vitamin K and you want a circumcision, you are, they probably will only offer the Plasti Bell. Right. Because because it's a no bleeding, typically it's a no bleeding type of, yeah. Procedure. So while we're kind of talking about this, um, I wanted to define a little bit like who performs the circumcision. So let's start with the surgical circumcision. Hannah, if you want to take that. Yeah. So um, the OB can do it um, in the hospital, like a resident fellow um, attending um, can do it. You, I mean, it is definitely like a highly practiced procedure, which means that a lot of people do it like for the first time on babies because it's like non-invasive it's like easy I guess you could say in the surgical realm and stuff like that so it definitely is one that someone could be like doing it for the first time on your baby um just so that you're aware so I personally would ask for if I saw a resident come in there I'd probably be like no I don't want you to do this on my baby I would like you know, and probably an attending or fellow or the OB or something like that to do it. Um, because it is something that is highly practiced on 
and people like learn through doing circumcisions. So that's just something to note um, about them as well. The other thing is, um, which I think you maybe will ask, I don't know, you were thinking of asking a question about too, but um, is you can be in the room when it happens. A lot of parents don't want to be, and it's like, it is a pretty hard thing to watch, um, but they cannot tell you to leave the room. You you don't have to be in the room, and I understand if you don't want to be in the room, but if they're like, you need to leave the room to perform this, that is not true. You can also ask to stay in the room as well, and they need to like respect that. Yeah, you have the that. right to not be separated yes. from your baby at any point, yeah. unless would, of in a medical emergency. Yeah. I would recommend you probably not be like up watching it, like just maybe sit in the corner. (laughs) Unless you are a medical professional, you know. But even with parents in the room, that provides a ton of accountability to the medical team, like in how people talk Mm -hmm. and in what is happening and in what instruction. And at any point too, usually if a parent is in the room and there are two doctors, one maybe is a fellow or attending, they're all OBGYNs or they're in training sometimes to be OBs. So they, you know, they, they've been through medical school, they're doctors, but a lot of being a doctor is experience. And so just your presence in the room, listening to how they're talking and Mm -hmm. conversing with each other really can provide a lot of accountability. And if you feel uncomfortable, like you feel like one of them's just like asking a lot of questions, like, how do I do this? What am I supposed to do? Like, you can be like, hey, I don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. with this. Like, you can kind of gauge the situation. And in a way to pre- prevent all of this from happening is when you say, yeah, I'm going to opt in for a circumcision. Just very confidently say, I I would prefer that it not be a resident or a fellow. Like, I would prefer mm-hmm. that this surgery be performed by, you know, a practicing OB. Yeah. And, and they can put that in your chart. Like, that's right. just what would happen. Yeah. If a resident showed up and that was in your chart and they mm-hmm. performed the procedure, that's against patient rights. So yeah. it's helpful before the moment happens to let your mm-hmm. desires be known. That way it just doesn't have to be as confrontational. Yeah, so. and I think, too, like, so I'm kind of, in my mind, I guess I'm picturing a first time mom. So I'm sure this happens when I say first time mom, I mean like first time boy mom. I'm sure this happens with second, third, fourth mm-hmm. time moms who had all girls before and now they're having a boy. Um, if you want to know, first of all, if you want to know like what's normal at your hospital that you're delivering for circumcisions, like who would you ask those questions of? Like, if you just want to know, hey, what typically, like, who typically performs circumcisions at this hospital and where did they do them? Like, do they do it in the room? Do they take the baby to the nursery? Like, who would you ask those questions? Maybe a nurse. The nurses typically would know the answers to that question. Um, you're transferred and moved a lot after having a baby. You can be. And so you might be on a labor and delivery floor and they might not do it until you get to postpartum. So the labor and delivery nurse might not know until you get to postpartum and the postpartum nurse will be like oh we usually send the baby to the nursery and do it there and at that point is probably when you could be like is there any way they could perform it in the room here or Mm -hmm. you know like you probably wouldn't be allowed to go to the nursery as the mom but like there's some things that it's just like ask questions ahead of time if you know that you have desires that might not be a part of protocol so yeah Yeah, I would like, especially if you don't want to get the vitamin K or you have a specific method in mind that you want used or a specific person that you want to perform your circumcision, Mm -hmm. talk before you have your baby because 
the last thing that anyone wants that's working in the hospital is for mom to come in and then make all these demands about how they want things done and there be nothing in place to like facilitate that and that's just frustrating for everybody involved and it makes even worse care for you as well because then everyone's kind of just like it, the best is, yeah, yeah the best way to describe it as a nurse like being in that position is it's almost like you got to school in the morning and you found out homework was due but you didn't know yeah. like that feeling that everyone has felt when patients put us in the position where it's like oh I have these requests and we would love to honor that for you to take good care of you because that's what we're trained in but when when we show up and it's like why didn't you tell me this yesterday so I could have prepared accordingly Mm -hmm. because sometimes an like a resident will show up and they're the ones to do the circumcisions for that day and you might have to get discharged a whole day later because you don't want a resident to do that Mm -hmm. so all of that someone ready for yes ready yeah yeah so all that is really helpful like these people have real lives and they, you know, have schedules. Yeah. And- no, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I think to summarize, um, the main points of all the things that we've talked about would be surgical circumcisions are performed by OBs or residents, surgical residents, ne- surgical neonati- fellows, neonatologists, neonatologists yeah. people who work in the hospital for just like oversimplification. If you want, or if you're more interested in the Plasti Bell method, that would be something that you could do later in the pediatrician's office, or you would need to go back and see your OB. Yes, but before you would leave a hospital with an uncircumcised baby, knowing that you want them circumcised, you need to have asked questions before they were ever born. Right. Because you could hop around town and run through three or four family practice doctors or or pediatricians, and none of them are willing to perform that surgery in the office. Right. And then you're up a creek without a paddle. You have an uncircumcised baby, you wanted him circumcised, and now you're stuck. So, like, that's another scenario where it's like, a lot of people get to the hospital and like, I don't know who my pediatrician is going to be. And it's right. like, you need to have some of that picked out and they don't tell you that. So yeah. that's frustrating, For but sure. you need to know. Um, and then the other thing I think that's huge that we want you to take away from this too is the piece about the vitamin K shot. So as you're thinking through what shots you want to accept or not accept, what vaccines you want to accept or not accept after baby is born, vitamin K is one that is important when discussing the topic of circumcision. So do your research about vitamin K, do your research about circumcision, and make sure that when you're having conversations with your OB or with your future pediatrician or with your nurse or your birth coach, whatever, about these things, that the vitamin K piece is not left out because that is very important. It has to be, you said it has to be taken within the, or given, sorry, within the first 24 hours of the baby's life. To be effective. To be effective. So that's, you know, really important. Okay, cool. So let's move on and talk about the opposing views. And Mm -hmm. when I say opposing, I don't mean that one is right and one is wrong. I'm just simply saying like there is a side of people who say, yes, circumcise. And then there's a side of Mm -hmm. people who say, don't do it. Hey, y'all. We just wanted to take a quick break and let you know about our free hospital packing list. If you are preparing for the birth of your baby, this resource will be tremendously helpful for you. Just go to betterbirthsbetterbabies.com slash hospital to get our free hospital packing list. Now let's get back to the show. So Sarah, why would someone choose to circumcise? To or? Yes. Yeah, to do it. Yeah. So if, yeah, essentially 
it's a it would be for the reasons and for the sake of religious reasons um that's very it's practiced pretty steadily in the jewish community and the rabbis are actually the ones to circumcise okay so we forgot to add them in the little (laughs) yes if you want a non-traditional circumcision do some research on jewish rabbis i don't know if they do i don't know if they outperform outside of the community yeah so but that would just be a question. You could look worth into that. looking into. Yeah. If anyone is listening and has their baby, has had their baby boy circumcised by a Jewish rabbi, I mean, let us know. <laughs> Betterbirths, betterbabies.com slash Who's not Jewish. Yeah. yeah. Who's not Jewish. Yeah. Who's not Jewish. Yeah. Um, or if you are a rabbi, I don't know. Maybe you're listening to this. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. So the reason why it became a practice is for religious reasons, and that became kind of a thing. But there's there is a, a connection that a lot of times is said to be. Um, when it comes to cleanliness. And yeah. so most severe complications ha- would happen later on in life. But like they, every time the foreskin is retracted, it has to be pulled back over the tip of the penis. Mm-hmm. And if it's not at really any age, that can be not like the consequences are not that great. Right. So it can cut off blood flow. So just there's a little bit more to be mindful of, a little bit extra yeah. of an area. It's This is going to sound funny, but it's kind of like an armpit. Like yeah. there's just more that like you have to tend to mm-hmm. because there's, you know, darkness and sweatiness and all of that that you need mm-hmm. to. And so some of that can create more complications in older men who struggle to keep themselves clean and have the mobility to do right. that. Yeah. So that's the reason why it typically has been something that has been performed as a practice of cleanliness. Um, and it's been moved into the infant period because it is far less painful and far less invasive than a lot of there are older men that do have to be circumcised for complications such as UTIs, mm-hmm. like infections, yeah. all that skin issues. And well, so, and you had kind of touched on that earlier, like you specifically said in the beginning that as an infant, especially fresh out of the womb, you know, circumcisions, mm-hmm. I think, usually happen within, would the you say, like, two days. 36 yeah. to 48 hours of yeah. the baby mm-hmm. being born? Yeah. Their nerve endings aren't fully developed down there. Mm-hmm. Like, just in general, their genitalia is not fully developed. Like, they don't. It's very small. Yeah, very so it's small. just, like, mm-hmm. no stitches, not a lot of bleeding, which all of that would be true if it was a procedure that happened yeah. in an older male. And the recovery is so. a lot longer. Yeah. Which yeah. is painful, so. No, I think that's really interesting. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends that are nurses outside of just, like, my experience with you guys being nurses. And I went to a high school where you could get your CNA license mm-hmm. in high school. And even then, I remember, like, having conversations with my friends who are becoming CNAs about how – because they worked at a nursing home because it was mm-hmm. very close to the high school. Just about how, like – so many of the older men who were uncircumcised ended up having to have subpubic catheters over regular regular catheters fully. Yeah. And so, you know, Hannah and I kind of talked about that, like, well, if you want to explain what subpubic is. Yeah. Yeah, So it's just a catheter that goes basically through your your stomach into your bladder. So it doesn't go through the urethra into the bladder. It's like a surgically made opening that goes into your bladder because more invasive yeah there's like if there's a lot of swelling and like stretched out skin and things like that you can't really get a catheter in um the normal way so you have to basically have an operation to get another 
kind of too. And we're not saying anybody. all this to scare you. It's just to give you some perspective. Yeah, just to say like this is why. Yeah, wouldn't. why people think circumcision right. in infancy is a good idea. And the other thing in America that's important to know is at this point, a lot of people will do it just because of cultural norms. Yeah. And so to mention on that part, a lot of places on the West Coast and East Coast are actually not circumcising as much and some hospitals don't even offer it unless it's asked and so that's another thing to keep in mind a lot of parents do it for the sake of their kids not getting bullied in the locker room it's a room lot of or the midwestern the, region yeah. of the united states where circumcision is the most popular which is where we live right so. so that's another thing to keep in mind is that it's becoming far far less common in the united states and so and it more of the reasons that parents are making decisions is based on health reasons and hannah will talk yeah. i think a little bit about the other reasons yeah. why you might not you know want yeah. to but yeah do you want to go ahead and add whatever you were going to add and oh. then kind of move into like why someone would choose not to do yeah. it well i was just saying it doesn't help also in the united states where like every single diagram or picture of a penis even with stds is always uncircumcised yes, and that's like for sure really worldly it's not the norm. It's actually more common to have an uncircumcised penis than a circumcised one. But, like, that's all we're educated on in America and, like, our textbooks and stuff like that. So people are like, what does it even look like? Yeah. You know, all those things. But, um, yeah. So, but some of the drawbacks of circumcision um, are, like, the reasons why people would choose not to circumcise um, would be a lot of parents feel like it's a uh, not-needed traumatic procedure. It can cause... Um, keratization of the tip of the penis so that's like kind of where it just gets a little bit more rough um and more calloused which people which could contribute also to a like a lessened sexual pleasure when the baby is older um and so that is not like fully known but they're doing research on that which well, yeah and they're also finding that like that foreskin is actually where a lot of nerve endings yes. do form mm -hmm. on the foreskin itself so cutting that off or away yeah. I mean, you lose yeah. that experience. But, like, it could be, like, you know how some nerves read, like, kind of redevelop, reform. So it could, like, be mm. if you circumcised, they could Early. actually kind yeah. of reform on the outside of the penis. So it's really kind of just, like, a debated topic. Right. Um, but that is one of the reasons. Um, and then circumcision can cause, um, it's called meatal stenosis, which, like, is the narrowing of the urethra. Um, so that's another thing that is possible for, um, it causing. And then, um, yeah, it's just could be an issue for parents to say like, Hey, like my child, this is my child's body. Like they should have a choice over like if something like they have this unnecessary surgical procedure that's cutting off part of their genitalia, yeah. things like that. Because it's so. not in the moment, it's not life threatening. No. Hey friends, we are taking a quick break to tell you about the Better Births, Better Babies community. Inside you'll find resources that expand on many of the topics we discuss on the show and an encouraging active community of mamas who are just trying to figure this parenting thing out too. Go to betterbirthsbetterbabies.com and click join now to start your free 14 days. That's betterbirthsbetterbabies.com. We'll see y'all inside. So to either of you like feel like you have anything to add on any of the topics that we've talked about before before we kind of move on or you know no i mean i think well the only other thing i think that is helpful to expound upon is kind of the more natural movement just because there are always consequences to taking in anything and exposing to anything and right. ingesting anything we kind of take that 
stance, which they do in, you know, they taught us in nursing school. No medication is without consequence. Yeah. And so... I mean, there's um, side effects to Tylenol. Exactly. There's side <laughs> effects to everything. And so I think we blur over that in our culture. And I think this is like, there's this movement now with the circumcision thing where it's like, if this is not indicated... Why are we doing it? Right. Why are we doing it before it's indicated? So I definitely think that that's a huge, there's definitely just a lot of logic in that argument. Um, And I think that's interesting to think about and make that decision. The other thing too is I do know and have heard of a lot of times where, and it's, it's helpful to know that in America we do probably a more the most extreme form of circumcision. Right. Um, other countries perform and don't cut off as much skin as we do. We've highly surgicalized and medicalized this procedure to the point of cutting everything that's there. Yeah. Where in other parts of the world, they at least leave a little bit of a ring around. And so that allows for room to grow and everything over time and doesn't put an adult male in a position where they literally don't have enough skin there. And that's, that can be painful. And, um, I'm sure there's been complications on that side of things. So I think there is a place to offer that kind of lands in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think, and you would call that like the medical term for that would be partial circumcision. Correct. And you might look at your OB and ask for it. And they might look at you like you have four heads, but you would just maybe ask it in such a way where it's like, Hey, is this an option? Could you like get creative with, with the scalpel? They might have never, just keep in mind, they might've never been asked to do something like that. So don't feel belittled if they look at you like you have an extra head, but just maybe just ask them in such a way where it's like, Hey, this is something that I have done some research on and I feel most comfortable with not cutting all of the skin off. Is that something you could offer me? Is that something that you Mm -hmm. would feel comfortable doing and let them answer you? And I think that is a lot less threatening of a way to ask a physician to honor your requests. Well, and just to say too, you know, like not to add stress, like if you're riding in your car right now and you're pregnant with a baby boy and you're like, Oh my gosh, I never even thought about this. Like, you want the person who's performing the procedure to be confident. And so I think kind of going back to even what we were saying earlier about how for your medical professionals, it can feel like you're showing up to work and yeah. someone just threw you a curveball. Like you don't want that to be the curveball. So, yes. so do your homework, like have the conversations, do your research, ask the questions because it really is better for you to have those conversations ahead of time, not just for you, but you know, Mm -hmm. for your baby. And you want the person cutting skin off of your baby's penis to be comfortable doing that. You know, like they literally get one penis. And so like you, and if you like go to the hospital and it's like an attending, like say you ask for an attending. So the attending comes in and you're like, I want this method. And they're like, well, I don't usually do that method. I do this other method. I would rather have the attending do the method that they're comfortable with than one that you want because probably will heal better and look better if they do the one that they're used to doing. And yeah, if you want a specific method, that's something that yeah you need to talk about beforehand because it's important. Yeah, I think that's great. So, you know, in summary, I think what we're all saying is this podcast episode is just the beginning of your circumcision research journey. Like we... We just can't spend time here, you know, talking about all the things, dissecting all the things, but we would really, really, really encourage you to like, let this be the thing that spurs you on to do your research, um, as you're pregnant and preparing for your baby boy's arrival. And also too, um, 
We have a blog post about circumcision on our website. It's betterbirthsbetterbabies.com slash blog. You can go read that. It's called Circumcision Procedure. And then also we'll link to some different articles and things in the show notes as well. But we hope that you guys enjoyed the conversation. And that's all we have for you today. Hey y'all, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. We would love to meet you inside our community. So head on over to betterbirthsbetterbabies.com to join. You'll immediately be welcomed into an amazing group of like-minded mamas and you'll be inspired and encouraged in your own motherhood journey. We'll see you there.